You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, and I'm reading from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your pew Bibles, and so if you'd like to follow along with today's reading, you may do so on page 259 of your pew Bibles. But these are Paul's words to the church. For this reason, he says, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love of all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. I remember you in my prayers and ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the Holy Spirit who will make you wise and reveal God to you so that you will know him. I ask this, I ask that your minds may be open to see his light and so that you will know what is hope to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people and how very great his power at work in us, how very great his power is For those that believe in him, his power working in us is the same as the mighty strength which he used when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly world. Christ rules there above all heavenly rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. He has a title superior to all the titles of authority in this world and in the next. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. The church is Christ's body, the completion of him who himself completes all things everywhere. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. When it comes to these big and important days in the life of the church, it is so easy for us to assume that we've always just been doing things this way. That we've always had these kind of days. We've always had these days that we celebrate. Like the early church set these things into motion and we've just kind of kept them going because that's kind of how things in the church sometimes work. Today is one of those days. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It is the last Sunday before the season of Advent. And for us in the life of the church, it's kind of like our New Year's Eve because Advent does begin a new year in the life of the church. And what I find partially, part of what I find so interesting about Christ the King Sunday is that Christ the King Sunday is a relatively new development. Now, just in case there might be another church nerd in the congregation this morning, do we have a guess as to when Christ the King Sunday started being celebrated by the life of the church? Do you have a guess? No guesses? That's okay. We don't have to guess. I'll tell you because I have, I, have I have the information right in front of me. The year was 1925. And I know that it feels a little bit weird to call something that started almost a century ago relatively new, but let's keep in mind that we can trace the season of Advent back to the 5th century. And we can trace the season of Lent back to the year 325. 
But in year in the year 1925, Pope Pius XI declared the last Sunday of the church calendar to be called Christ the King Sunday. And Pope Pius XI wanted us to remember, wanted the church to remember who was in charge in the face of those who was not. And this was a timely reminder because the world in 1925 was running absolutely amok. The world was reeling from World War I and was barreling headlong into World War II. In the year 1925, in Italy, the home of the Vatican, Benito Mussolini had been in power for three years. And over in Germany, Adolf Hitler had just released a book called Mein Kampf and had just been released from prison and was starting to rally fervor and gain publicity and gain power in Germany. And so Pope Pius XI and other leaders in the Christian world witnessed the rise of non-Christian and Christian-in-name-only type rulers across Europe. And what was also noticed by, by the Pope was that some Catholics were being taken in and really drawn into the leadership of these secular dictators. And what also happened is that these people that were in power tried to assert authority over the church. So Pope Pius did what the Pope can do and released an encyclical called Quas Primus. And it reminded the church that even with everything that was happening in the world around them, that Christ was still the king. Life was crazy, things were interesting, things were but Christ was still the king. And it wasn't a new idea. It wasn't just something that he came up with. This is the exact same sentiment that Paul was expressing to the church in Ephesus. Paul starts off as he does most of his letters by saying that he's been praying for the people and he points out that he has heard of the faithfulness of the Ephesians, that he, they have heard, he has heard of their love for all of God's people. And then after that, he launches into these high and lofty words and thoughts about Jesus, saying that Jesus is the Christ, saying that Jesus is the King, saying that Jesus is the one whom God raised from the dead, and not just raised from the dead, but raised to the right hand of the Father in heaven. It is Jesus who is the name above all names. And in Paul's estimation, Jesus was not simply one Lord among other rulers, but truthfully that it was Jesus who rules above all heavenly rulers and authority and powers and lords. It is Jesus who is superior. It is Jesus who is above all other named deities and powers and principalities in this life and in the life to come. And it is Jesus who is the head of the church. It is Jesus who guides and directs and reigns the corporate life of the church. Not just in Ephesus, but the church universal, the church wherever it is gathered, the church wherever it calls on Jesus' name for salvation. What Paul was getting to, what Paul was saying is that Jesus is the king. That Jesus is the king in the beginning, Jesus is the king in the end, and Jesus is the king even now. 
And the Ephesians needed that reminder because their lives were a mess. Ephesians, the Ephesians needed this reminder because as we read the rest of the letter, we read that their divisions and their factions and their dissensions among the church all were pushing and pulling for their supremacy over one another. In our own world, things are a little bit different than they were in the time of Paul and the Ephesians. In a lot of ways, we have thankfully moved on from a world of 1925, the world that Pope Pius XI was writing to. But there is still a real need for us to have this same reminder. We still need Christ the King Sunday. We need the reminder that Jesus is the King in the beginning. Jesus is the King in the end. And Jesus is the King even now. Because the problem is that there is so much that clamors for our attention. There is so much that clamors for our devotion. There is so much that clamors for our allegiance. And some of those things are obvious, and when they get pointed out to us, we smile and say, yeah, I know, and then we do nothing about it. Friends in Christ, our favorite sports teams clamor for our attention and our devotion. And you know me, I like sports, and there's nothing wrong with liking sports as long as we don't get it twisted, right? As long as we remember that Jesus is king and the Chicago Bears are not. Our jobs clamor for our attention. And there's nothing wrong with working hard, and there's nothing wrong with loving what we do. In fact, that's how it's supposed to work. But before we are anything else, we are followers of Jesus. Before we are teachers, before we are bankers, before we are farmers, even before we are preachers, we are followers of Jesus. Our defining narrative must be Scripture and nothing else. And so on this day called Christ the King Sunday, what becomes clear and what becomes needs to become clear is that Jesus is King and everything else is not. Jesus is king and everything else is not. For the Ephesians, it was their national identity. The church in Ephesus was comprised of Jewish converts to Christianity that really cared about their Jewish roots and Gentile outsiders that really cared about where they came from before they became followers of Jesus. But all those things had to take a back seat to their devotion to Jesus. But they were being held back because of their ancestry. And so for the Ephesians, if Jesus is meant to be king, it meant that their country of origin was not. If Jesus was truly king, it meant that everything that happened in their life up until the point they were introduced to who Jesus was didn't matter as much. If Jesus was king, it became the most important, the defining aspect of their lives, of our lives. So the question becomes, what is it for you? What is it for you? What reminder do you need today? If Jesus is king, what is not? If Jesus is king, what is not? 
The challenge of this day is for us to discover and discern and to live in the light of what we find out. Jesus is king and our career is not. Jesus is king and our stamp collection is not. Jesus is king and our fraternal organization of choice is not. Jesus is king and this is the one that hurts. Jesus is king and our denominational identity is not. This one hurts worse. Jesus is king and coffee is not. Because the truth is that there can only be one king. And our job is to discover who we truly rely on and to do everything in our power to rethrone Jesus. As we think about our parallel to New Year's Eve, what we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks is taking a look back at how our year has gone and evaluate our lives and think about what we want our life to look like going forward. It's Christ the King, so it's New Year's Eve for us. So the question becomes, how is it that we're going to follow Jesus more closely in the year to come? And I love that question because it propels us so far forward into the season of Advent where we once again prepare our hearts to make him room. Friends in Christ, may you live deeply into the truth that Jesus is king and everything else takes a back seat. Jesus was the king in the beginning. He is the king in the end, and even now he is king. Would you pray with me? Loving Jesus, we give you thanks for the reality of our lives and the reality of our world and the way that you are ultimately in charge of shaping that reality. You are our king. You are the one in whom we trust. You are the rock and the bedrock of our, of our salvation. We just simply come to you today to acknowledge that there are times where we get it off track, that we prioritize things that are lesser over you. Help us to find our way back. Help us to ask the right questions and help us to live truly in the light of your kingship. Not just this day, but every day. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.